as you can see, I'm not Ethan Hunt, but the pastor wanted me to share a mission that seemed impossible to Dustin, my husband, but through prayer, God made it possible. Oh, I'm super nervous. Um, anyways, and that song, that last song was really like hit home. Anyways, um, as most of you know, the kids and myself started um, coming to Temple Baptist in September um, 2018, and I absolutely fell in love with everyone here, and as I've said before, and um, I don't think Bree's here, I think G is sick, but Bree likes to make fun of me for this, but um, I found my people. <laughs> um, <laughs> she does, she makes fun of me for calling me all my people, but anyways. Um, the only thing missing, though, was my husband, Dustin, who's here, anyways, um, from about, so I'm gonna give you a little bit of a backstory. Um, from about January to March of 2019, on most Sundays, you would find me and the kids at the gym for a wrestling tournament every single Sunday. And I kept saying we committed to wrestling and I didn't realize it was on Sundays um, until after the fact of committing to it. And that was true, but still I really knew I should have committed that strong of a commitment to God by being absent on Sundays, I wasn't being fed to give my, get my week started, and I knew I absolutely could not miss a Wednesday. I took a lot of notes during that time, and Dustin says my Bible looks like graffiti, but Amber Davis um, says it's impressive, <laughs> um, so I'm not sure which it is. Um, but what I do know is how on those Wednesday nights were definitely a time of growth for me, and I really didn't realize it then. Um, but I do now. Brett was in the book of Ephesians then, and some of my bullet points um, are Paul wants us to grasp the power of prayer, and faith will move mountains, and then be specific about prayer, and don't be general. Be specific with your needs. And during this time, the kids were still here on Wednesday nights, and Ansley was still getting um, to do the youth thing, so Rhett and Angie sort of contacted me often just to touch base and make sure I was aware of any activities. So get this, March 8th, 2019, a year ago, the youth had D-NOW, just like this past weekend. I brought Ansley to the church and came inside to make sure she was good to go and give her money to Angie. It was really crowded and somewhat chaotic, so I was just going to drop her and leave, but Rhett stopped me and told me, um, they've missed us on Sundays. I remembered explaining that wrestling was finally over, so I'd definitely be back, and now I was really convicted over it. He asked me if Dustin was going to be able to come on some Sundays. Um, I was kind of sad. I told him I wished he could, that he would be, it would be really good for our family, but he has a set schedule for work, um, working Sunday through Thursday, and he's only off on Fridays and Saturdays, and it had been like that for about four years. Um, Rhett told me that he would pray for an opportunity to come up and change that. I smiled and said, well, that would be great if that could happen, and um, it really seemed impossible to me at the time. I hadn't really put much thought into it. And then Rhett said something along the lines that he believes God favors those who set aside time to worship him, and if that's something that I desire, that he felt he would have favor for, that God would have favor for Dustin to change that. That to me was so powerful. Like those, that little, I don't even know if you remember that. Like, do you remember that at all? A little bit? Like we were like standing in the fellowship hall and like, I don't 
know, like, it was just something that, like, it just struck me, like, gosh, so, like, and Greg Lynn recently said um, this, and it just has really stuck with me, but God still moves mountains and parts seas. It may not be those things you physically see, um, but our circumstances and trials are the mountains God will move and the seas he will part. We must have boldness and exercise our faith. And that's been so true. So March 8th, after Rhett said that to me on my short drive back home, I just started praying and asking God to work a miracle and change Justin's work hours. I won't lie, I was absolutely scared to even pray this. And I would literally just find myself having conversations with God and tell him I really didn't want Justin to lose his job. Like, don't go that route. Um, like, like, what am I asking for here? And, and I mean, that was just me being truthful. Um, I had no idea what would happen. I just had to have faith that God could do this. I wanted my husband to worship with me and to get fed the word on Sunday with me. I wanted him to see Lucy raise her hand and praise Jesus when we sang. I didn't tell Dustin what I was praying about, but I started praying about it with the kids. I didn't think I would cry. Then at some point, one of the kids, maybe it was Justice, was um, praying one night, and he asked God to change Dustin's work hours so he could come to church with us on Sundays, and Dustin heard him. And he was pretty much like, I have no idea how that's going to happen, but pray away, buddy. Um, I definitely got discouraged along the way, and about the time I really felt like I was wasting my time praying, God sent little reminders to keep praying and have faith and not to give up. And Ansley was baptized around July 28th. So from March to July, I'd been praying and just not really seeing much as far as his hours went. Um, and the following week, a postcard from the care team arrived for Dustin. In the front, here it is. Like I've held it in my Bible. As a reminder, this whole time, um, it says, The Lord bless thee and keep these, number 624. Um, and I'm not even sure who wrote it, but it said, Dustin, we're so glad that you were able to come and see Ansley get baptized Sunday. I'm sure it was a blessing to you as much as it was for her to have you here. Next time you get off work, come back. We'd love to thank you. And if anybody actually has met him, they know he's sarcastic. So I had it on the, I had it on the table for him to see and later I picked it up and I saw get me a better job and I'll be there like he was just being funny and wrote it at the top and he signed his name at the bottom <laughs> um and so like I for a second I was like what a smart aleck and then I was like no like God can do this and so I've kept it literally in my Bible as a reminder, like I'll open my Bible and it'll fall out or I'll just, it'll turn to that page and I would see it. And it's just been, I don't know who wrote it, but thank you. Um, and that's one of my big reasons I really wanted to go to the care team. Um, so thank you. But um, anyways, um, finally on August 18th, I wrote the word prayers on our chalk wall and underlined it, um, I put Dustin's work hours. So I would see it daily, and I thought how awesome it would be to get to erase it one day. Like, I didn't know when. This is August. Um, around that time, Dustin had mentioned there had been talk of working four days on and getting three days off. But whoever was in charge of that said absolutely not, and Dustin didn't, and, and 
that guy didn't like it. He didn't like the idea. And I'd never even considered this possibility, and I'm not sure what even made him tell me this. But this opened up a whole new mindset for me. I started praying for the schedule change, and he probably thought I was absolutely crazy, and I am a little crazy, but... But I was just like, this is going to happen. And he kept saying, no, it's not going to happen. There's no way that this is going to happen. Um, around November, Dustin called me one day and said he had no idea why or what happened, but the guy in charge of making decisions over the schedule is no longer with his company. And the guy replacing him wanted to change the schedule to four days on and three days off and wanted to get the ball rolling at some point um, as fast as possible. I thought he had said January and misunderstood him, so I started praying about it in January. Michael had even asked me uh, if I'd heard any news one night in the choir room, and I told Michael that I thought January was uh, when his hours would change. Well, they didn't change in January. He did have a meeting in January. That was a big meeting that we all uh, had asked prayer over, and a lot of y'all had prayed with me about it. Um, and so it was his hours were put into a definite plan to what hours he wanted and found out that he would for sure 100% have his hours changed from working Sunday through Thursday and only being off Friday and Saturday to working Wednesday through Saturday and getting to be off work Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. His last Sunday working was February, on Sundays was February 23rd, so nearly a year from the short conversation with Rhett, and God has moved a mountain for me, something that seems so impossible, God made possible. That's it. Sorry, you're good. And as you can see, through uh, God used through Mary Beth and her uh, children and our church family how to make the impossible possible through prayer. And it all really goes back to sometimes uh, an individual uh, or a group of individuals saying, I'm a possibility in the midst of this impossible situation. I want you if you would this morning, if you have your church app, you can open up there to the sermon notes and press the uh, blue scripture of Mark chapter 9. We're in Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. And we'll read this out, the New King James translation this morning. But in Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29, is a situation that seemed to be impossible. Matter of fact, there was a demon-possessed boy that Jesus asked his father, how long has he been like this? And he said, since he was a child. And so the expression there is that when he was very small, He began to experience this demon possession in his life. And now as he has grown up into a boy, he still has this experience. And as the father is praying, or as the father is asking about Jesus, he makes the statement, if you can, could you do something? To which Jesus responds, if I can. (laughs) It's kind of like, do you not know who you're talking to? Do you not know who I am? Do you not realize the power that I have? And then Jesus turns that back around to him where it's really not a question of if I can, if I have the ability, but as if you can have the faith and the belief. That's where it is. And so I want to kind of focus on those three words that Jesus said, if I can, and kind of do like Jesus did instead of us looking at Jesus and say, well, if you can, but if I can. If I can do some things in my life, maybe I can make the impossible to become possible. Because Jesus revealed he could do it. It's just whether that father had the faith and the belief 
that he could do it. And to which the father responded, oh, I believe, help my unbelief. And it's like, what? You believe, help your unbelief. It's kind of like an oxymoron, isn't it? It's like you said, I believe, but help my unbelief. But what the father was basically saying is, I have some belief this can happen, but I'm struggling with this impossibility becoming possible. And so Jesus reveals some things to us through these scriptures, through this experience, this life experience, about how that we can become part of the impossible becoming possible. I'm a possibility. Let's read this together in Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. And let's just see what uh, Jesus has to say in this situation, what they experience on this particular day. And looking at verse 14, it says, And when he, meaning Jesus, came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. And immediately when he saw, or when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, What are you discussing with them? And then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and he becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And he answered him and said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And then they brought him to to Jesus and when he saw him immediately the spirit convulsed this boy and he fell on the ground and he wallowed foaming at the mouth and so Jesus asked his father how long has this been happening to him the way that Jesus expresses it is how long has your son been like this how long have you tolerated this how long have you allowed this to continue to happen in your son's life And verse 24 says, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I'm sorry, I jumped down a little bit. Verse 21, so he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. There's the statement that the father makes. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And then in verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you come out of him and enter him no more. And then the spirit cried out and convulsed him greatly and came out of him And the boy became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And see how all this continual question of if you can, and it's not if I can, it's if you can believe. And then the disciples say, why could we not do it? Why could we not cast him out? And To which Jesus said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Lord, we come to you today and Lord, we ask God that you would just take this life example of something, Lord, that you did to transform somebody's life. Something that a father thought had become impossible, but Lord, you made it possible. 
And even though the Father and others were kind of looking to you and saying, if you can, do something. And yet, Lord, you turned around and said, the question is not whether I can, it's whether you can. The impossibility becoming possible relies in you. You are the possibility. And so, Lord, we pray, God, that you just help us to see in these scriptures maybe some things that we need to look at our own personal life where maybe we're like Mary Beth and Dustin who were struggling with a situation of whether it was possible for Dustin to be able to get off from work and be able to come to church on Sunday and for them to be able to come as a family. Lord, I'll never forget just that heartwarming words that I read where Mary Beth posted that when she said on that Sunday morning, when they came as a family, it was like Christmas. Lord, you had made the impossible possible. And it was like Christmas morning in March. And so God, we pray, Lord, that you would just help us to see through these scriptures some things that can make the impossible possible in our lives. And Lord, we're going to give you praise and honor and glory, not only the fact that Dustin's here today and you answered a prayer there, but Lord, that you're going to answer some prayer in some other people's lives as well and make the impossible possible in their lives. And Lord, we're going to thank you and praise you for all that you do. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So how does the impossible become possible? How do you and I become part of the possibility? One of the things that I think that these scriptures is teaching us through this life lesson that Jesus is showing us through this demon-possessed boy is that if I can have more faith and believe, it can be possible. If you and I are facing some situations in our life that seem to be impossibilities and we want to make it mission impossible, then maybe I need to have more faith and believe and then maybe it can be possible. As Jesus came and he came onto the scene of these crowd that was gathered around and he sees a situation and this man addresses to the fact that he had brought his son to Jesus, to the disciples. The disciples had seen him first and they couldn't do anything for him. And the Bible tells us in verse 19 that Jesus answered him and said, O faithless generation. Oh, faithless generation. Jesus was addressing the fact that there was obviously, from what he was seeing, a lack of faith. Now, we can look at it and say, well, the the Father brought him to the disciples. But you know, for everything that we are taking actions, there's always some foundation, some underlying of where we are in our faith and belief. It's kind of like the story of the woman who had read the scriptures about how that God, if you believe, that he can take a mountain and move it if we just have faith and believe. And so before she went to bed, she had had this mountain on the backside of her house that she hated. She wanted to be able to see beyond the mountain. And so she thought about that scripture. And when she went to bed, she said, Lord, when I wake up in the morning, I want that mountain to be gone. She went to bed, went to sleep, slept that night, got up the next morning, went over to the window and opened the windows. And here's the words out of her mouth. Just like I thought, it's still there. Now, she took action, didn't she? She prayed, but the underlying behind her actions, what was underlying was doubt, a lack of faith, because her own words the next day was, just like I thought, it's still there. And so Jesus is addressing the fact, he says, oh, faithless generation, I see some action going on, but underlying beneath that, there's actually doubt, questions, a lack of faith. Jesus even made the statement uh, in verse 23, he says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. 
So Jesus is addressing that there was a lack of faith, there was a lack of belief, and when Jesus is addressing that, he's basically telling these that are gathered around that the problem is not with him, but the problem is with them. They have a lack of faith and a lack of belief. The Bible tells us in Hebrews eleven six it says this, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So even if we're taking some action, but yet deep down in our heart and in our spirit, we've got doubts like that woman who prayed for the mountain. It's impossible to please God. And the Bible tells us very clearly that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so we got to have faith that it is going to happen and believe that it's going to happen. So maybe we can make the impossible possible if we can just have more faith and believe in God's ability to make it happen and that God's going to reward our faith and our belief. Can the impossible become possible? If I can have more faith and believe, maybe it can be possible. It can be possible. The other thing that I see in these scriptures is that if we can have more desperation and anticipation, it can be possible. In these scriptures, it tells us that the Bible says that the people came run into Jesus. And we know that the man brought his son that was demon-possessed. If we read all the scriptures, we see that constantly, anytime that the people came to Jesus, they were bringing those who were sick, those who were demon-possessed, those who were crippled, those who were blind. They were bringing folks who needed a touch from Jesus. And in these scriptures, we see a couple different times that identifies that when Jesus showed up, the people came running to him. And even the, just the moment before Jesus cast this demon out, this little boy, the Bible says that Jesus saw the people running and he cast the demon out. The expression there was that there was a sense for those who had demon-possessed child or those who had some that were sick in their family or close relationships, there was a sense of desperation. They were running to Jesus. But there was also a sense of anticipation. Desperation and anticipation sure can make a lot of things become possible in our lives. And that's what I see in these scriptures that there was the desperation of a father who was coming to see if Jesus could heal him. He said, your, your disciples couldn't do anything if you could do anything. There was desperation and yet there was also anticipation. How does that kind of work together? Can you see how that that combination it's just so powerful. It's kind of like gas and fire. When you put it together, something explosive is going to happen. When you've got desperation, and that is, I desperately need something to happen in my life. I desperately need God to do what I cannot do for myself. And I am anticipating something good is going to happen. Do you see how those go together? Desperation and anticipation. When you're desperate enough and you're anticipating something good's going to happen, something is going to happen. And so we look at these scriptures and we see that maybe in our life, the impossible could be possible if we have more desperation and more anticipation in God's ability to make things happen in our life. I also see in these scriptures that if I can have more resistance and urgency, it can be possible. Jesus asked here, how long has this boy been like this? To which the father replied, ever since he was a child. 
And the Bible tells us that Jesus saw the people running and that's when he responded and cast the demon out. And so we see here that the Bible is letting us know that there has to be a resistance to what Satan's trying to do in our life. And with that resistance, notice that when Jesus saw them running, he immediately cast the demon out. There was a sense for some reason of urgency at that moment that Jesus wanted it to happen before the people got close to him. So resistance and urgency come together to make impossible things happen in our life. The Bible tells us in James 4, 7, says, resist the devil and he will what? Flee from you. Now, the scripture doesn't say resist the devil and he'll beat the far out of you. Doesn't say resist the devil and see how far you can get. It says resist the devil and he will flee from you. But it also tells with those scriptures that you got to draw near to God. Cleanse your relationship with him. And so if you're living in sin, don't jump out there and say, I rebuke you, devil, in the name of Jesus. Because he will whip the far out of you. Because you're rebuking in a relationship that you don't have. And so the Bible's making it clear we can resist the devil, but we got to make sure that our life and our relationship is right with the Lord. And when it's right with him, then we got his power behind us. And you don't resist the devil in your own person. Matter of fact, I would encourage you, don't ever say, I resist you, Satan, in the name of bread. Because he'll go, ha, ha. If you say, I resist you in the name of Rhett Osmus, it don't work. It's only when you resist him in the name of Jesus with a right relationship with the one you're using his name. A right relationship. So there's got to be a sense of resistance and urgency in what we're needing done in our life. The more that we feel a sense of urgency that it's got to happen. And let me just ask you this question this morning. Are there some things that have been just beating you up in your life? Are there some areas that you've been struggling with? Maybe some things, some goals that you've been wanting to accomplish, but you're just not getting there. Some habits you're trying to beat, some better habits you're trying to develop in your life. And it just like, it goes year after year after year after year. And nothing ever changes. Let me ask you the question this morning. Isn't it about time to say enough is enough? If the devil's been beating the far out of you in some area of your life, isn't it just about time to say enough is enough? If you haven't been able to accomplish something that you've really wanted to accomplish, isn't it time to say enough is enough? Jesus asked, how long, is this, how long has this boy been like this? And the father said, since he was a child. And I can imagine in Jesus' mind, he's saying, isn't it time that we say enough is enough? How long do we have to let this boy suffer? How long do you have to feel defeated in your life? How long do you have to keep on going without accomplishing your goals? How long do you have to keep on going before you let God use you in your life? Isn't it time to say enough is enough and begin to resist the devil with a right relationship with Jesus and put some urgency in it? I'm not letting another year go by defeated. I'm not letting another year go by of letting this continue to be in my life. I'm not going to let another year go by of living the same lifestyle without making some changes. Enough is enough. If you want to make the possible, impossible possible, then maybe you need a little bit of resistance and urgency in your life. I want to give you the last thing. These are four things I've given you this morning. Four kind of carry significance. You know, a chair doesn't stand without four legs, does it? 
I know some of you say, well, I milked a cow with three legs. Probably not many people say that. <laughs> but they did have a three-legged chair. But most chairs got four legs, don't they? We always talk about the four corners of things. And so that represents some stability, some foundational things. And what I've tried to give you this morning is from this lesson where Jesus is saying, if you believe, it is possible. All things are possible. And so I'm giving you four things that gives you a good foundation, some stability, to be able to say, I'm a possibility. That the impossible things that I've been struggling with in my life, these things that the devil has been defeating us and discouraging us, those things are going to change. And so here's the fourth thing I want to give you this morning. That is, if I can have more intensity and commitment, it can be possible. If I could just put some more intensity of what I'm trying to accomplish or what I need to happen in my life, if I could put more intensity and commitment into it, then maybe, just maybe, it's going to happen. It is going to happen. You say, well, I've been praying about it. Listen to what Jesus says in these scriptures. Tells us that the disciples came to Jesus once he was in the room. And they asked this question in verse 28. And when he came into the house, his disciples asked him privately, how could we not, or why could we not cast it out? Why was we defeated and yet you accomplished it? We've done some other things. We've seen miraculous things happen, but why could we not cast it out? And then Jesus said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Notice there was prayer, but then there was adding of fasting. Now, some translations just have prayer, some have prayer and fasting. But the reality is that this reminds us of a truth that sometimes there has to be more intensity if you want to get things that seem to be impossible to become possible. We are uh, announced the other week about we're putting in 40 days that started this past Tuesday. It's our church and other churches in the area coming together over a 40-day period leading up to Easter Sunday. That's why it started last Tuesday. That was the 40-day marker from Easter Sunday morning at 7 a.m. to 7 a.m., 24-hour days leading up to 7 a.m. on Easter Sunday. And we put out this challenge to the church body of Christ, our church and other churches. Let's see if we as the body of Christ, the church, if we can take a 40-day period and have somebody praying and fasting every single day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Now, I'm not saying continually praying that whole time, but have somebody committed to prayer for a 24-hour period of praying with some intensity, fasting during that time, so that 40 days, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, somebody is fasting that whole period of time for 24 hours, 24 hours, 24 hours, 24 hours, and they're putting some focus on prayer, praying for God's Holy Spirit to move in a mighty way on the Easter season and Easter Sunday morning so that we experience God like we've never experienced him before. Why don't we just say, sign up for prayer? If we're going to experience something like we've never experienced before, there needs to be a little more intensity in it, right? There needs to be a sense that we really want to seek God and find God's favor and for his Holy Spirit. So it's 40 days of prayer and fasting. Because Jesus revealed here, if you want something to be accomplished that seems to be impossible, maybe, maybe you just need to put a little more intensity, a little more commitment. I hope Mary Beth 
won't mind me picking on her. You won't, will you? Sure. Since I asked, huh? Okay. <laughs> and if, it, if I say too much, you just put them glasses back on, right? But uh, Mary Beth took one of the days of prayer and fasting, and, and she, uh, she shared with me in a text that, or actually in a Facebook message, she said, I won't lie to you, it was a little bit tough, but I prayed more than I normally would pray. The fact that it was prayer and fasting put a little more intensity, didn't it? A little more commitment into it. Jesus said, this kind comes only out by prayer and fasting. Now, does that mean that fasting is like a a magical solution? Oh, well, nothing's happened, so I'll just go without eating for 24 hours, and then something will happen. No, it's the intensity and the commitment. A commitment that I want to get a little deeper in my relationship with God. I want to get things cleaner in my life and in my relationship with him. And so here Jesus said it takes some prayer and fasting, more intensity and more commitment if you want to see the impossible to become possible. Maybe if you and I put more intensity and more commitment in whatever we're struggling with, whatever impossible challenge that we've got in our life to make it become a possibility, maybe if we just put a little more intensity and commitment, the impossible could become possible. When you look at these scriptures... What happened when everything came together? When there was faith and belief, when there was desperation and anticipation, when there was resistance and urgency, when there was intensity and commitment, that little boy got freed from a demon. When Jesus showed up, the demon couldn't handle it anymore. And when you and I get in a right relationship with the Lord and we get all these four things established in our life, maybe we can be that possibility in the midst of an impossibility. Let me just ask you this morning, is there something in your life that it's time to say enough is enough? And put these four stabilities in your life and see the impossible to become possible. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And as they come to get the song ready of invitation, I want you to just take just a moment and think, what is it that you're struggling with in your life? What has been beating you up What has, have you just tried but failed, tried but failed, tried but failed? And it's time to say enough is enough. Do you need to put a little more faith and belief? Do you need to put a little more desperation and anticipation into it? Is there a need for some resistance and some urgency in what you've been struggling with, what you've been needing to happen in your life? Is it time today that you put a little more intensity and commitment to really see what has been an impossibility become a possibility through you? Lord, we come to you this morning. And Lord, when I look at these scriptures and I see these four things, I'm reminded of some foundational things that can really make the impossible possible. And Lord, I'm sure in this congregation today that there have been some folks that maybe they've had some things that they've been wanting to accomplish, but they just hadn't got there, just been defeated. Lord, maybe there are some things that that they've been hoping that in their life would change, but nothing's changed. Lord, I don't know where everybody is, but I'm sure there's some folks in here today that it seems like there's some areas of their life 
whether it's a goal to achieve or a habit to beat or something to change in their life. Maybe it's time today that they add some stability to what they've been asking of you or wanting to accomplish in their life. So God, I'm just asking you right now, while everybody is just thinking of some things in their life that they've been defeated in, been discouraged in, feeling like they're not getting there, God, I'm asking you to help them to find this morning, what do they need? More faith? More belief? Even this father said, I believe, help my unbelief. It reminds us that we can kind of be taking some action and we can even feel like, I believe something can happen, but yet underlying there is that doubt. Lord, I pray that you just help those who need more faith and belief. Lord, help those who need that sense of desperation and anticipation. Lord, those who need to put in some resistance and some urgency. Lord, those who need to intensify and make greater commitments. Because God, I believe there's going to be some things that have been impossible become possible in some people's lives because of some foundational truths that you've given us today. So Lord, I'm praying, God, in the name of Jesus Christ and by the blood of Christ that Satan is going to be defeated. Lord, I'm praying this morning that for those areas that Satan is trying to build up walls, where Satan is trying to put in a wedge, where Satan is trying to create a a crumbling, I'm praying in the name of Jesus and by the blood of Christ that Satan is defeated, and Lord, that you're going to be glorified. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.